Well, it's good to be back in the desert. Uh, we are so excited to be back. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Uh, we have been uh, out of church for like three weeks now. And we're in Hartford for their 25th anniversary service. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been in the Middle East. And uh, so we're just excited to be home. There's no place like home. Yeah. Yeah. The heat and everything, we're fired up. We love the heat. We love everything coming out from L.A. into the... As the uh, green got less, we just got happier and happier uh, to be out here, mostly mostly because of you guys, because of the church and the family here that we have. Uh, we're fired up to hear uh, songs in English, and uh, we've heard a lot of Arabic songs lately, and uh, just amazing fellowship. There were, at our conference, there was about 250 people from eight different countries there. Uh, in the Middle East, and just uh, they had a marriage and singles conference, and then a, a youth conference with the young teen, with the teens and young campus students. So it was just uh, amazing to be there. We got to visit uh, the baptism site of Jesus in Jordan, which was cool. I know that the rocks have been there and Mount Nebo, and uh, it's just amazing. I could have probably spent all afternoon there just thinking about all the different stories. And miracles that happened in that general area and all the different places. Uh, it was, it was, uh, amazing, amazing time. So we're excited to be back here. If you could turn over to Luke chapter five, we're going to get started here in a minute. Um, I know that I heard that while we were gone, the father son camp out was canceled. And, uh, I got that text while I was over there. I was like, what? Uh, but it was, it sounded like it was a good thing. It was about 95 degrees over there and there was an algae in the lake where you couldn't even like touch the water. So it sounded like a good call. Uh, and that just highlights our church camping trip here yeah. even more that it's even better. Uh, I was trying to, you know, persuade people this morning sending out the weather report where it's in the 50s at night and low 80s in the day. So. Yeah. Uh, it's a great chance to uh, beat the heat, make some memories. Uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, we're going to be having all kind of food and everything up there. So uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of a flavor of the conference. Oh, by the way, the Lebanon church celebrated their 25th anniversary the week yeah. before we got there. So they've been there for 25 years. And I know that the Inland Empire, we've been supporting them for almost all the 25 years. I don't know exactly how many, but at least 20 years. Uh, Kelly was sharing how she had been to a lot of these countries back in the day uh, with Steve. So just amazing that the connections there just get more and more. But I wanted to give you a little flavor, about 10 seconds of uh, La Montaña in Arabic. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. Amen. You get the idea. Um, that was pretty cool. That, so that was like the married and singles uh, conference there. And every day they would sing one English song. So it was cool. All the people because there was people there from uh, Qatar who spoke English and then all of us. So we were kind of in the back uh, for not like you guys, but kind of like that. And we'd have a translator for all the different uh, services and had to hit. We didn't have headphones, but we did have a translator, so it was pretty cool. We got most of it. Um, we have a few pictures here. This is uh, Mofid with the selfies. They love selfies over there. Uh, 
And that's us with the Marichis and with Jesse in the back. And we're praying at the site where the Lebanon church is. And they have this five-story building, and there's three stories that are built right now. So they have a basketball court on the bottom, and then they have a parking lot, and then they have uh, Kids' Kingdom. And then on the the two floors to come, they're going to have like a fellowship hall, and then on the top floor, the worship center, and it's going to hold about 300 people. And it's just amazing to see the land was given to them. And just to see how God is providing that really the idea is that the, we'll be able to build a church there. And because of that, we'll have legitimacy throughout the entire Middle East because they're very they're huge on buildings. I mean, if you don't have a, a building, you're pretty much not a church in their eyes. You know, they're extremely traditional. We even passed one building that was probably a five to ten million dollar building and there wasn't even anybody there. It was like built like five years ago and there's just grass and weeds and you know they don't even use it but they needed it to start their church there so we're excited just to see how God continues to provide so we were there with them praying uh, praying for that and uh, you know everybody to get to the conference they were they drove a lot of people drove from Jordan through Syria to get there because Syria is getting a little bit better you know it's been horrible the last couple years getting a little bit better but they had they got stopped like 10 times and every time you get to pay the tax, whatever the tax is, whatever the guy tells you, you got to pay. So there was one brother, uh, they were driving him. He was driving the single uh, sisters and, and a couple brothers there and they got to, through and at the eighth stop, they ran out of money. So they had the last two stops with no money. They, they made it through still anyway. But uh, it's just amazing to see what people went through just to come to the conference. Yeah. You remember Nadal and his wife who were in Syria when they burned the church and they were just kind of wandering around for a number of months. They finally found a place and they set up uh, the church there. But they drove 10 hours with three kids and they got to the border and they turned them away. So they had to turn around and go back through the 10 stops to get home. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. It was cool to see Simon uh, Al Hin, the guy who kind of started all the churches over there, he was the first disciple there. And he was, you know, I was telling about the story driving through Syria, and he's like, I'm not afraid. And I was just like, that's so cool. He's like in his 50s, and he's like, that's nothing to me, you know. And just to see how they get so hardened and so uh, tough, you know, in their, their faith, that that's no big deal. Um, so anyways, uh, we had a picture, another selfie with uh, Sammy and his family, and uh, we got to uh, have a night uh, dinner at their house there, and uh, that was really cool. And you see Sammy, and then the next one up is Michael, his son, who's 23, and then Fadia there, and then Layla. Michael and Layla are twins, uh, and then, uh, let's see, uh, then Rosie Alhin, who's not actually a part of their family, in the very middle on the left is uh, Simon's daughter. Then Mary, 22, is a daughter. And then Kareem, who's 12. And he was best friends with Ferris, who's now uh, with Summer in, uh, in Rancho. So, that you know, it was kind of cool. To, everybody over there loves Summer, and they send so much love to them. But just to see this guy, I'm like, man, it was heartbreaking for him. His best friend moved. And his cousin, and you see the church that there's not a whole, the preteen ministry is very negligible. Uh, so we have an amazing ministry here, but just to see how great they were doing. Um, and uh, we had a great time just hanging out with them. 
and this will give you a kind of a perspective of the families over there. It definitely did to me that the kids stay at home until they get married. So they go to college and they stay at home and they get a job and they stay at home and they, you know, and they don't get <laughs> married till they're like 28 or 30 years old. So if your uh, child has moved out, then you, you know, can be count your blessings, I guess, <laughs> as, uh, you know, they don't live with you until they're 28 or 30. Some of us, maybe we're trying to reenact that family structure here <laughs> and, and live at home as long as possible. Uh, but uh, I guess that does save them from a lot of troubles, too that you feel like their families are really protected in that, in that way. They, they have, have it figured out. But uh, everyone, everyone there sends their love and their gratitude, and we're going to share more. We're going to share little by little as we uh, go along. And um, in a couple weeks at midweek, we're going to have a whole midweek. I know Natalie was there as well with uh, Orlando and about 25 people from L.A. Um, combined, maybe 20, with L.A. and Seattle, 15. Okay, 15, something like that. Uh, but it was great uh, being there. We served the, uh, this elderly home for three days, and they had the conference for the weekend. And then we went to Jordan for four days to the biblical sites and then stopped in Dubai on the way back. We just had church on Friday uh, because they meet. That's their only day off there. So we had church in Dubai on Friday, which was, which was really cool. And... Uh, uh, good times there. So t- Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 5, you're already there. We're going to read the story of Jesus with the paralyzed man. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, lowered him through on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who forgives, who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So amazing how God writes the writes, inspires the Bible through different people. And he adds in all kinds of details. Some of them are big and some of them are even tiny. You wonder, why is it even in there? So he this whole story that we're, a lot of us are familiar with. This is like the Bible talk story of college ministry, right? We talk about. What does it take to get to Jesus and what does it take to get you to give up getting to Jesus? So there was a crowd there and they they were determined. They figured out another way. They went up on the roof, dug a hole in it, uh, destroyed their friend's house to be able to get to Jesus. You mean, imagine you're Jesus and the roof starts caving in and the guy starts hanging down and everybody's interrupted your, your speech to just watch this guy get slowly kind of lower down and you're hoping that he doesn't fall and 
you know, imagine what Jesus must have been feeling. It says that he saw the faith of the disciples. But this was a day that there's only one of these days recorded in the New Testament. This was a special day that never happened before because of these guys' faith. This was historic. And the thing that Jesus tells the guy is interesting. He says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. That's where we got the sermon title, The Mat. Of everything that happened on that day, Jesus was concerned that he would not leave the mat behind. Who cares about the mat, right? Why would I want to take my mat? I don't need the mat anymore. It's not something that I I don't need to be carried around. I want to burn that mat. I want to take it away. But Jesus said to take it home. I don't know what he was going to do with it at home. I, I found a picture of an old mat. They said that this is kind of what these old mats would look like. Kind of like this, the straw hut made out of straw, pretty flimsy. And Jesus cared enough to say, take this home. You know, what we're going to see later today is this is really a, a symbol for this guy's life. Imagine if, you, if he took it home and put it up on the wall. You know, when you go into people's homes, you, you learn a lot about people, right? You come in. If you come in my front door, the first thing you see is a picture of our family and a picture of us. And you go, okay, this is their house. These must be really special. Things that you put up on the mantle. I mean, those are, this is my parents. This is my, everybody here. These are significant events. And then you have a mat, an ugly mat, a dirty, probably stinky mat. And it's up on the wall. Imagine walking into his house and it being right in the very front. Like a big Josh Smith painting. (laughs) He's got some good art, by the way. I would put that. But you go in and you see this mat and you wonder, what the heck is this thing doing in your house? And you can imagine his joy as he gets ready to tell you why the mat is on the wall. This is the mat that symbolized how my paralysis, it symbolizes my old life, it symbolizes my death, it symbolizes my horrible past that Jesus set me free. And you can imagine him telling the story of him coming down through the roof onto the floor. And we're going to talk about this story today. And in the Middle East, we... Every church we went to, whether it was in Lebanon or in Jordan or Dubai, guess what we did? We just told our story. This is what God did in our life. This is the map that we were lying on. This is how Jesus raised us up. Everyone in here has an amazing story that God wants you to tell, that only you can tell, that only you live, that only you have your specific map. We're going to talk about three things today. Uh, the first one is forgiveness. So imagine the guys come, they, they lower him through the, through the roof. He's coming down and Jesus, when he says, when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the guy said, I didn't come here to get my sins forgiven, Jesus. Who cares about that? I want to walk. I mean, imagine he says your sins are forgiven and you're still sitting there and nothing's different. You don't feel any different. You're still laying on a mat. Your problems are still there. And it's amazing when we came to Jesus, we probably came for a lot of different reasons. You know, I came to Jesus because my life was out of control. I wanted to change. 
You know, some people, they came to Jesus because they wanted to get a girlfriend that was good and wholesome or whatever. You know, you came to Jesus because they were given free food after service. You know, Jackie Marici was sharing that she came to her first Bible talk because she wanted to get a nanny that she heard about that was a lot cheaper than the nanny that she had. She's like, this is cool. I want to talk to the nanny. And it turned out that the nanny only spoke Spanish, so Jackie couldn't even communicate with her, so she couldn't, but she was amazed by what she saw. So I don't know what it was that brought you to church. My first prayer was about sports, because that was what I was into. I don't know what you've been praying about, but God had him there, not just to be able to walk, but for the most important thing that he didn't even know about at the time, which was forgiveness. Jesus said, what's easier to say, get up and walk or have your sins forgiven? In a lot of ways, walking seemed a lot harder. His sins being forgiven, that was kind of an invisible thing. But it's amazing how Jesus said that, even knowing his audience. Because all the Pharisees that were there, they thought, they believed that if you were paralyzed, it was because of your sin. If you were paralyzed, it was either because of your sin or your parents' sin. So the first thing Jesus said is, your sins are forgiven. And still nothing happened. And then, later on, he tells them to walk. He addresses the hearts of the people there from the very beginning. You know, it was cool. On our trip, we went on a hike through the cedars of Lebanon. And here, this is part of it here. There's a sister in the middle from... Uh, from Los Angeles, who was with us. can't remember her name, but we let her take a picture with us because she had a Boston Red Sox hat on. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, the woman to the right of her, or two to the right of her, was one of the four women that was baptized two weeks ago in Lebanon. We showed the picture at midweek with the four women being baptized, and we were talking to this sister as we were walking. She's like, yeah, that was my mom. And when we got done with the, with the trail there, her mom was there on the far right. And, you know, just to be able to connect, wow, it's not just a picture on the screen, but this is somebody's mom that was forgiven two weeks ago with four other women. We saw one of the other women that was running around, and she was so full of life and energy. And uh, it was just amazing to hear the stories and to share stories uh, from here. So I don't know what you're here for today or what you have come for or why you're here, but the number one thing that we all need is forgiveness. And Jesus knew that, and he made that known to those who were there that day. Point number two is wonder. It says that the people, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. They had been going to church their whole lives. They had been around the temple. They had been around religious people, but they were never amazed until Jesus came by. They saw this miracle, and they never forgot it. And yet God still wants us to be in awe today. We've seen so many amazing miracles that we sometimes forget what God did. We, we move on to the next miracle and we forget all the things that he's done even in our own lives. You know, it was amazing to, to hear stories, to share stories. Everywhere we went, we shared about the Hernandez family. 
we shared about Feli coming to church and then one by one all the kids getting baptized and almost all the spouse all the spouses getting baptized and and just everyone was amazed because that's kind of how they do it right the church in Jordan it's made up of like eight families and it's just extended cousins and nephews and they're, they're, you know, 60 people and it's just eight families. And they could relate and they were encouraged. But so many times we forget all the different miracles that went into just one person getting baptized. You know, Abraham and Kelly come into church and then they were living together and then Abraham almost got baptized and then he didn't show up for his baptism. And then he came back a couple years later. And you just think, sorry, bro, I had to do that. (laughs) But just all the things that God was doing in his life to just get him to be saved. And then to get Kelly to be saved. And then how it affected their family. And we shared about Bella and we shared about Juan and we shared about Ronnie. That was so encouraging to everybody because they they all have family members like that that are kind of holdouts. We said he held out for 21 years. And even at the end of the conference, there was a brother named Nasir who had been faithful in the beginning of the church and a leader in Egypt, and he had fallen away for over 10 years. And at the end of the conference, he was sharing with everyone, even in tears, that he wants to get restored. And it was just like, wow, it's the same story. The same love, the same desire, the same, you know, wanting their family to be saved. And sometimes we lose the wonder of like the Fall family. And Sam going up to Santa Barbara and then Josh and Sarah and Ken coming out to church here. And just one by one, them. Josh was one of the few people that was actually really searching for truth. Not many people are actually sincerely searching. And I remember wrestling with the Bible and Josh in my living room. And then he finally, the light bulbs finally went on. And just to see how then he shared with his dad and sister soon afterwards. And they all became disciples. And now they're helping out so much and so much a part of the church. What would our church be without them? And we saw person after person. And, you know, in Lebanon, the guy who's their main song leader was just baptized like four years ago. And now his wife is like the hope representative for the church. And they're just serving in so many ways. Another couple that was baptized four years ago, his name's Manuel. See, there is Mexicans even in uh, <laughs> Lebanon, but no, he's Armenian. Now he want, him and his wife, their dream is to go back to Armenia to start the church there again. That was started so many years ago, and he was just baptized like four years ago. And I was like, wow, God is continuing to do miracle after miracle, and yet we lose the wonder right next to you. If you just look in your row or you look at the person in front of you, there's amazing miracles that happen right here in this church at this time. You know, I see Josh and Mimi. I mean, I remember Josh a couple years ago with the all-night prayer, and he came up and prayed for a long time. And just like, wow, who is this guy? He's, he was a miracle, and then his family followed afterwards. So I pray that we don't lose the wonder, that we don't lose... The amazing wonder. Uh, now, Josh, you can uh, do your little thing with the uh, with the slide there. 
He's taking it offline because this next guy is not supposed to be famous. Uh, right here, this guy in the middle, his name is Nasser. Nazar, actually. And he is in northern Iraq. And uh, he was one of the guys who was imprisoned by Saddam Hussein. And we heard the story probably a long time ago of uh, Sammy, who was in prison for 140 days. And he was in prison for three years. So he was in jail for three years because of his faith there. And it is so amazing as they walk around and like Sammy was going to get breakfast and we were sitting with Nazar and he was like, yeah, that's the guy that got me arrested. (laughs) You know, and it was, you know, it's like 20 years ago, but now it's just like an old joke to them. Like, yeah, that's the guy here. But you could tell that they were bonded together uh, forever. And him and his family and this other brother, there's only four disciples in, in Iraq right now. And kind of the plan, even at the conference, was talked about that they want to restart the church there in the next year. So you can be praying for him. And uh, he taught me one of the two words that I learned in Arabic, Habibi. And uh, that's a great word if you're a disciple, because uh, you could say Habibi to everyone. You could say it to your family. You could say it to your friends, to brothers, to sisters. It just means, you know, my friend, my love, my brother, my sister. So that was the word for, uh, you know, when we were over there. The only other word that I learned, oh, Habib T, if it's your spouse. See, if you want to get, you know, you got to learn that that one. And then the only other word I learned was Shukran. Probably not saying that right, but they got the idea, you know. There we go. They were asking about you guys, too. They, you guys are very requested there uh, the next couple years, by the way, uh, Ramsey and Fida. Um, they love you guys, and they say hello. Uh, oh, Yala. Yala. Yeah, that's good. I mean, let's go. Hurry up. Right? Okay, yeah, I've heard that a lot, too. Um, just don't start saying that during the sermon today. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, Nazar, he owns a business. He owns a taxi business. So he, he has three white Chevy Tahos. I don't know how they got Chevy Tahos over there, but he's, he's showing me pictures of them. He's all fired up about them. Um, that's how he uh, makes a living there. But um, th- they were both arrested the day after they had church, and they had 50 people in Iraq that used to meet in his house. So the day before he was arrested, they had 50 people there. 28 of them were disciples, and 18 of them were members of either him or this guy Sammy's family. So it was all his family that made up, most of them that made up the church there. And, uh, you know, uh, the next day, uh, they they got arrested. And uh, it's amazing to see their faithfulness and just wanting to go back and, and start a church. I mean, you could see him. He's not a young guy, but he's ready to go. And uh, it was just pretty cool. That Sammy was sharing a story. Oh, and he's in an uh, area in northern Iraq controlled by the Kurds. So it's okay to share their fa- your faith there. It's okay even to talk about Jesus with Muslim people there, which was pretty cool. So, I, you know, I, I thought that that was pretty uh, amazing. But they feel like this is probably the most open area in all of the Middle East right now. You know, that people are, are searching. They're, they're open. 
And uh, you can pray for his uh, family and even his family members that left that they'll come back when we restart the church. But Sammy was telling me a story of a guy there they were studying the Bible with and he got to the sin study and they got to the part where he had to forgive these two guys that had robbed their, his house and killed his wife and child. And so they, it was like a home invasion and he wasn't there and he came home and his family was all dead. And he had spent the last seven years of his life chasing these guys down. And he had actually caught one of them. And so he got to the place, he's like, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm supposed to forgive these guys, but that's, that's too much. I can't do it. So he walked away. And then a while later, a year or two later, he comes back. He said, okay, God has been working on me this whole time. I still can't forget all the stuff we learned. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to move on and give this to God. And he did. And the next week, he found that the other guy, they caught him. And not only they caught him, but they actually killed him. You know, which was tragic, but it was good that it wasn't him, because that was kind of his mission in life. And then he finally gave it up to God. But it just gave you an idea of what people go, are going through. Certain, some people that are even in the church there, you could tell that there was a lot of these kinds of stories. You know, a lot of pain, a lot of hardship there. But uh, you couldn't. Everybody was super joyful and actually very hospitable and encouraging, as, as the, these rocks could tell you. But um, pray, pray for Nazar. What an amazing uh, brother. I felt like, wow, I'm sitting next to, like, Michael Jordan here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's a hero. You would never, he doesn't look like much, but, man, I'm going, man, what an amazing. And that's kind of how I felt when I was there. Not being able to speak the language, not understanding exactly what they're going through, and yet just having a, a deep appreciation for their faith and just the, the spirituality and, and how much they love God and how much they love Jesus. Uh, it, was, it was truly uh, humbling. I know that they encouraged us a lot more than we encouraged them. Uh, we tried our best, but uh, this, this was a highlight. We had two breakfasts with people with a translator, so that's kind of, he was with one of them, so we got to kind of know more, and I'll share another one later, um, which was kind of the highlight of the, of the, of our trip there, that we met the second woman baptized in Yemen, and, uh, and her new husband, and we actually got to be, they had a Christian wedding there as part of the conference, so uh, the first married couple in Yemen, and, uh, you know, we're going to share more about that. Uh, later, but what an amazing! It's hard not to be in awe when you're there, but it shouldn't. It should be shouldn't be hard to be in awe when you're here too, because we have the same kind of things, a little different, but same miraculous workings of God in our lives. Um, point number three: mission. So Jesus sent him home. He went away, and he says, just as he went home, praising God. Carrying his mat, praising God, telling everybody what Jesus had done. I love these, his friends that had not just faith for themselves, but faith for him too. And I pray that as a church that we can not just have faith for our own lives, that we're trying to just survive, but we have faith for others. And we, we, we're on a mission for God. I feel myself more 
passionate about saving the lost now than I, ever, than I have in a long time. That, man, there is so much to do. We have so many opportunities that God wants to use us in an amazing way. When was the last time that you felt that God had sent you on a mission? When God had put people in your life, when God was working through you. You know, isn't that when we feel most alive? Is, do you feel like your purpose in life is to go to work and come home and then go to work and come home? And do the same old thing over and over. Is your purpose in life to go on vacation? Is it to go to the beach and beat the heat? Is that really what we're all about? Right. No, that's not why any of us are here. Right. We're here because we want to make a difference. Because God has chosen us to be his ambassadors. And everywhere that we go, we have a story to tell. Right. You know, Paul, throughout the book of Acts, every time he was confronted, what did he do? He just shared... What God did for him. I was riding to Damascus. I got knocked off my horse. I couldn't see. This guy named Ananias came and healed me, and I was baptized, and now I got a message to tell. And he told that story over and over because of what God had done. And I want to show you a picture of a guy. That the sister on the left is the, the daughter of the mom that was baptized there in Lebanon. And the guy in the middle, his name is Sharif, and we called him the sheriff. Because it was easier to remember. At least I'd called him that. I don't know about the other, other Sweeney's. But uh, he, he, was a, he was a cool guy. I mean, he was so out of himself. He's in his 20s. And uh, his first time spending the week with the church. And so he was there for the serving and the conference and the Sunday. And he shared. And I heard he shared again yesterday at church. And his family was from the Druze faith, which was kind of an offshoot of Islam. You know, hundreds of years ago, it, it's more of like a new age philosophy when you talk to them. It's kind of more of a positivity type of thing, like maybe we have here uh, in the States in some ways. And just to see him, every time I saw him, he was having a talk or a deep talk with one of the brothers, with Marici or with, you know, one of the guys or one of the sisters even. You just see, man, God, he didn't know what to do with himself. You know, he was so amazed by the love of the disciples. And as we left, we just said to him, you know, after this weekend, there's nothing else that you have to see. Just being with Christians for a week and hearing all the messages and, and being amazed. So pray for pray for Sharif or the sheriff. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what God is going to do. Uh, in his life, but I'm also excited to see what God's going to do in our lives and with people here. And I pray that this fall that we can have that spirit that we are on a mission as we go back to school and we go back to you get back in the swing of things that we can really have that spirit. I believe God wants to do amazing things in all of our lives. And as we are coming back uh, from Dubai yesterday, we met this girl named Kim and her mom Priscilla and they were on a she won this talent contest in Dubai and was coming out to L.A. for 10 days and to, to do some acting and try to get recruited or whatever. I don't know what she was doing, but we end up just talking to her. She was sitting in our row and we happened to be up getting a drink in the middle of the night. And just I was just sharing with her my story, the mat, you know, how God, God reached out to me. And 
just to hear her faith, and, and she was 19, same as Chloe, and just feeling like God was doing something with her, that even this was God answering some of her prayers. And I was just smiling to myself, just thinking, wow, what are the chances that this person would sit right next to us right after this time uh, when we're really fired up and, and faithful and, you know, God's given her this opportunity, her, him and her mom. So we end up talking for like an hour, the three of us, and just reminded me that wherever we are, we're on a mission for God. For God. God's setting up the times and the places again and again and again in all of our lives. Some days we don't see it. Some days that people aren't open, but he's given them opportunities. And so I pray that whatever it is, that you can increase your faith, that God can use you in your situation exactly where you are, exactly in this time in your life, to be able to share your faith and help people to know him. And whatever they do, however they respond, that's up to them. But God is giving us this opportunity, and I pray that we take it. Even this week as we go on the camping trip to even think about, I've been so inspired because Darren, because of Darren and Nikki, the first thing they came to was the camping trip. So I've been thinking, man, I want to get my friends there. I want them to be able to be the next Darren and Nikki, to be able to be around Christians for 48 hours, We forget what it's like just to have that experience. But it is something special because of, not because of us, but because of God. As we take our communion, I pray that you remember the mat that you were carrying around when you met Jesus. That you remember what it was like to be out of control. That you remember the helpless feeling to have someone have to carry you around like this guy felt. And to continue to go through that cycle of sin that we were all on. And remember Jesus setting us free. And I pray that you can go home and put your mat back up on the wall and be able to talk about it whenever someone comes to your house. Be able to share about it wherever you go. And to even be remembered. In the Bible, it doesn't say this guy's name. It just says that he's the guy carrying around the mat. That he used to be paralyzed and now he's free. In Matthew 26, Jesus says to his disciples, while they were eating, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. So in a small way, Jesus didn't want him to carry a cross around with him, but he did want him to remember his cross as they took the bread and they took the juice. Let's pray as we remember what Jesus went through for us. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you that you have called each one of us, and thank you for so many of us you've set us free. Thank you for helping us to get up and walk, and I pray that we can always remember and be in awe of the forgiveness that you gave us, of the life change that you gave us, God. I pray that you can re-motivate each of us for the mission that you've given us, that you've called us to be your ambassadors. Thanks so much for Jesus, God. I pray that we can remember him and his incredible grace that she showed to us on the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen.